the way of Cain or the way of Abel? That's a choice we all have to make, isn't it? Someone made the choice of Cain this week, didn't they? And so that song really points to, through it all, my eyes are on you. There's no doubt in my heart and my mind if a person's eyes are on him, on Jesus, you're not going to choose the way of Cain. Amen? Amen. And so we think, what can we do? Let the politicians argue about it. Let people argue about it on social media. I know what really makes a difference, and that's Jesus living and breathing and working in people's hearts. Amen? And so uh, it's our job to make sure we, we make good choices. We choose not to be a King Saul. We choose to be a King David. We choose not to be a, a Cain, but we choose to be an Abel. Think about that, and I, I know uh, it's just on our mind, so I want to just speak to it a little bit. Why did Cain do what he did to his own brother, the very first murder that happens? Got his feelings hurt. We all have been there, haven't we? And we take it out, and we choose to do things in revenge or in hate or in anger. Uh, And that's always the wrong road to go down. And we, we pray for those people in Uvalde, Texas. That's a great place. When I was in South, at, Southwestern, at Southwestern Baptist Seminary in Fort Worth, uh, I was in the Southwestern Singers Choir, and we toured, and we stayed in Uvalde, and we sang uh, in First Baptist Church there and got to know those people really well. You know, so it kind of hits a little closer to home when you can, can put some faces, you know, with the people who are actually dealing with that. And so... Uh, we, we pray for them as well as, you know, there's, there's things, there's, there's bad things happening all the time. My mom used to say when things would happen that didn't just go right, uh, she said, she'd say, we live in this world and there's people in it, <laughs> right? You know, there's a lot of truth to that, right? That's just, that makes every day a little bit more difficult. But, that, but the relief to that is in this world, and I like how... When we go on vacation, we take Jesus with us, but also realize wherever we go on vacation or wherever we go in this world, Jesus is already there, right? And he's working and he's doing things, and we just have to be in line and in tune with what Jesus is up to and what Jesus is doing. Let me do a little bit of a recap of the stories we've been doing through the life of David. Next week, we're going to conclude with David becoming the king. And so in order to get from when Samuel anoints David to David becoming king, we had to skip over some things. So I just want to briefly mention everything in in chronological order up to today's story, which is quite fitting for a Memorial Day weekend sermon in that it's all about war. And uh, we'll see uh, just how difficult... Uh, things were before David became king. So the the chronology of how things work out, the first story in chapter 16 of of 1 Samuel is Samuel anoints David, and then in chapter 17 we have the story of David and Goliath, and David defeats Goliath. And remember the name of the commander of Saul's army 
before David defeated Goliath. Remember, after he defeats Goliath, Saul makes David the commander of his army. But before David's commander, is anybody, can anybody tell me who the commander was? Y'all remember we had that character in the David and Goliath story? Abner. Everybody say Abner. So Abner was the commander of Saul. There it is. It's right there on the screen. <laughs> so you see what I, why I'm asking you that question today, right? And uh, so Abner was Saul's military leader, uh, but David replaced him after defeating Goliath, and David married Saul's daughter. Saul gave him his daughter, so David becomes Saul's son-in-law. And then David's, some of the stories we skipped over, are some really good ones. Uh, Saul's son is David's best friend. Anybody know his name? Jonathan, that's right. So David and Jonathan were best friends. And with all of the popularity David begins to gain as a military leader, uh, the song that becomes popular in the land is Saul has killed his thousands, David's killed his tens of thousands. Saul becomes jealous, begins to go mad, and begins chasing after David, attempting to kill, capture and kill David. And this goes on for years. Uh, many scholars believe at least 10 years, maybe 12 years, Saul chased David. And Saul... In this time of chasing, one of the stories we covered is uh, a priest named Ahimelech helps David. Saul has Ahimelech killed. And anybody remember who kills Ahimelech and all the priests? That's right, Lee. Doeg the Edomite kills all these priests. And uh, David continues to run from Saul. He has an opportunity to kill Saul in a cave, as we, as we learned. And David chooses not to. He says, I would never hurt the Lord's anointed, is the statement David makes over and over. He will not harm God's anointed. Saul continues to go mad. Remember, Saul admits his wrongdoing of thinking David's out to kill him, and he's gone mad. Well, he, instead of... Instead of turning in the right direction when he has a chance to, after realizing the truth, Saul gets even worse. He consults with a witch. If it were Halloween, that would have been a great story. <laughs> Saul consulting the witch of Endor and gets the witch to conjure up the ghost of Samuel. And it's a mess. It's an absolute demonic mess. Saul commits suicide in battle is how he dies. He's in battle, realizes they're losing, tries to get his armor bearer to kill him, and his armor bearer refuses to kill him. And then Saul falls on his own sword. But the armor bearer, to save the face of Saul, tells everyone, including David, that he killed Saul, and so David has the armor bearer killed for killing Saul. And it's just, you see what I'm talking about? How fitting this is for Memorial Day? There's just bloodshed after bloodshed beginning to happen more and more and more and more. David mourns the death of, of Saul and Jonathan. Jonathan dies in that battle as well, his best friend. 
And many of Israel's enemies begin attacking Israel after they learn that Saul is dead. David continues to lead his army to defeat many different peoples that come in, like the Amalekites and others come in, and David's army continues to grow. But he is not yet king. You would think as soon as Saul died, David would become king. But no, 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 no. That's not what happens. So we, before we get into the events that happen before David becomes king, I have a question I'd like for you to think about this morning. Have you ever been, and this goes right along with our children's sermon this morning, have you ever been on a vacation or a trip with someone that really got on your nerves? Think about that. Was it a family member? Somebody you know well? Think about that. I don't want anybody, don't answer out loud on this one, okay? But just think about that. You know, uh, uh, in premarital counseling, I always ask the couple, have you been on a long trip together yet? You know, at least, you know, traveled somewhere and just the two of you done anything? Because I say, I think that's healthy. There's something about long trips, the real you starts coming out. You know what I mean? And uh, the, 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 the pressured and irritated you, you see how that other person handles those kinds of things, you know? And so that's, that's good. I had one couple in premarital counseling. Uh, they had decided to get married, and they had only been dating four or five months, and we started premarital counseling, and I asked them that question, and you know, have y'all had any arguments? Oh, we have a perfect relationship. We've never had an argument, you know. I was like, it's coming, brother. It's coming. <laughs> right? It's just going to happen. And so learning how to deal with people is difficult, right? Learning how to listen. Learning how to be heard, too, right? So today's story Deals with a whole nation learning how to deal with one another and they're not passing the test very well. So before we get into this Bible story, let's bow our heads and ask God to teach us something during this time. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the opportunity to learn your word again today, to learn more about it. Maybe stories that we're familiar with, but Lord, we ask you to help us teach us Something new that we can apply in our lives this very day and this week that will help us grow closer to you and bring people to you. Uh, Father, we live in a world that does have people in it. And the main thing in this world that causes all the problems is sin. Because of sin, there's evil. There's bad things that happen. And even in churches and in our families, we have difficult things that happen and we all make mistakes, we all sin. But Lord, we pray that you would give us a heart like David that even when we make mistakes, we run back to you rather than the heart of Saul realizing he made a, state, a mistake and he ran to a witch. We don't need to have that kind of heart. Help us to be wise and to look to you in all things and use this story to help us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
All right, so today's story, uh, sometimes I forget to do this, but it's important. Even though I'm not making you open your Bibles, I like for you to see me holding one because these are stories from God's Word, the Bible. I'm not just making these up, right? And so today's story begins after Saul's death. Uh, David is living in a Philistine, a Philistine town named Ziklag. Everybody say Ziklag. That's a fun word to say, a town in uh, the, Philist the Philistine nation. And men from all of the tribes of Israel kept coming to join David's forces, especially after Saul's death. People began joining with David and his army. They would come day after day, and David had a great army at this time. Uh, David asked the Lord if he should go back to the town of Judah. He prayed to God and said, God... Should I go back to Judah? This is after Saul has died. Now it should be safer to go back into, into Israel and into Judah. And the Lord said, Don't, I want you to go to, into Judah, but specifically go to Hebron. Hebron is where God tells David to go. So David and his men, they took their families and they moved to all the little towns around the Hebron area. And the men of Judah went to David, and they made him king of their tribe. So at this time, David has become the king of Judah, right? And that area, in Hebron, that area. But he is not yet full king of all of Israel, okay? All the other tribes followed the leadership of Abner, Abner, Abner. So Joab's going to be with David, okay? Dave, Joab's going to be David's commander, all right? Abner was Saul's commander after, you know, Saul had Abner. Then David defeated Goliath. Saul had David. Then Saul doesn't like David anymore. So now he takes Abner back as his commander, all right? And so Abner's been Saul's commander of Saul's army all this time. And just think about it. Saul's dead. We all know David's been anointed by Samuel to be the next king. If I'm Abner, I'm afraid I'm not going to be a commander of an army anymore, so I'm not going to David. I'm keeping my men together, and I'm going to keep fighting just like Saul's still alive, right? That's kind of what's going on here. So Abner took... Uh, Ishbosheth. Everybody say Ishbosheth. Ish he was one of Saul's sons. Uh, since Jonathan had died, the next in line becomes Ishbosheth. And he was a son of King Saul. And what Abner did is he made him king over all of Israel except for Judah. Now, a lot of times we think about Israel splitting. After Solomon's dead, right, in the, in the big, long scheme of things, you think of Israel is all one nation, and then it becomes Israel and Judah with Rehoboam, who is Solomon's son. And that's when the divided kingdom happens. But the seeds of that have already begun in our story with David. We see Abner making Ishbosheth the king of Israel, and we see... Judah making David the king of Judah. All right? Only one of these two kings has been anointed by God. We know who that is. It's David. 
So this caused a war between Israel and, and Judah, didn't it? At this time, Abner led his men out to face David's army, led by Joab. Joab is David's leader. Now, Joab has a family connection as well to David. He is the son of David's sister. Okay? Joab's the son of David's sister. And the two armies met on opposite sides of a big pool or a lake. And Abner yelled over to Joab, and this is what Abner says to Joab. Let's each send out our best 12 men to fight. And whoever has any men standing at the end wins. Joab agrees to Abner's uh, offer. And so each side, Israel, Abner sends his 12 best men. Joab sends his 12 best men. And guess what happens? All 24 men are killed in battle. They're all that good of soldiers that they all took the lives of one another in battle. So each man killed his opponent and all 24 died. With that, both sides went into battle immediately. They saw all of them are dead. They all just started going into battle. And at the end of this battle, Joab and his army were victorious. David's men were victorious. After the fighting, Abner and his men ran away. One of the brothers of Joab ran after Abner, and his name is Ashahel. Everybody say Ashahel. This is Joab's brother. So that means this is also David's sister's son. And he ran after Abner. And the young man was so fast, the Bible said he was as fast as a wild deer. That's pretty fast, isn't it? He's running after Abner. Ashahel's running after Abner. And Abner saw Ashahel gaining on him. And he yelled back at Ashahel. He says, you better, you better get back. Go back after one of my soldiers that fights more like you. Fight it out with them. But if you come to me, you're going to see what happens. But the young man didn't listen to Abner's advice. And he kept gaining on Abner. Again, Abner warned him, don't make me do this. After killing you, I'll never be able to face your brother again. Still, the young man, he refused to listen, and he continued on. And when he was right up behind Abner, about to catch Abner, Abner turned at the last second with a spear and ran him through and killed Ashahel, the brother of Joab. And then Abner, his reinforcements by sunset, they came and they... They came to Abner and reunited with him, and Abner yelled from a distance to Joab. He said, let's end this battle. If we keep fighting, it'll only increase the bitterness. Please tell your men to stop running after their brothers. And Joab yelled back at him, you're right. We would have fought all night if you hadn't said something. So Joab blew a ram's horn, and his men stopped fighting. And both armies marched back to their cities, and Joab buried his brother in their family tomb in Bethlehem. 
The war continued between Judah and Israel. The people of Judah followed David like he was their king, and Ishbosheth was king over all the other tribes in Israel. And it was a long, it was a bitter struggle. David's rule became stronger and stronger, but the rule of Ishbosheth became weaker and weaker. The war between the house of Saul, the war between the house of David continued. And even though Saul was dead, David was still not king over all of Israel. So in this story, we see a bitter, a bitter, bitter battle between kin, kinsmen, between people of their own country. It's, it's kind of fitting. Y'all, y'all you, you folks here in Columbus area, y'all know how Memorial Day got started really well, don't you? Why is a civil war the most fierce and brutal kind of war? Think about that. You're fighting people you know. People of your own nation. That's what, you know, we're, we're well, we're 150 years or more removed from the, the battle that happened in our nation, yet there's still scars, aren't there? Even though we didn't go through it, there's still scars left from that that, that shaped where we are today. In the same way with this civil war that we're talking about in the Bible with Israel and Judah, it leaves some scars that never go away from them that become very, very difficult. Another question I want you to think about today. Who was the leader who rallied Israel beside, behind Saul's remaining son and in, instead of accepting David as king? That's Abner, isn't it? Abner, he could have ended all this before it ever started. If he'd said, you know what? I know God's anointed David to be the next king of Israel. And went to David and said, David, I'm your servant. That would have ended it all right there. But... It may, I mean, you know, when you talk about war and battle, and if you look at all of history, it doesn't matter whether it's military war or it's political war, it's real hard for people to give up power and wealth, even when it's the right thing to do. It's hard for people to do that. So that's a lesson we could learn there, isn't it? We could, we could learn to give up our way and what we've enjoyed for what really is best for everyone sometimes. Another thing to think about, these two sides, Israel and Judah, they were hesitant to engage in a full-scale battle. And I think the reason is because they knew these people. You know, Joab was quick once Abner said, let's stop this fight. And he stopped it even though he'd just seen Abner kill his brother, killed his baby brother. Still, he knew it's not worth all this. It's not worth all this to see. We've, we've got other people we need to be worrying about attacking us, right? And right now, we're fighting against one another. There's a spiritual lesson in that as well, isn't there? Even in our churches, in the evangelical community today, 
There's things that are happening. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot more. That it's going to make the news when we disagree with one another as Christians. And when we make mistakes as Christians, isn't it? We need to keep working hard for unity. Unity. The one thing Jesus prayed we'd all have in chapter 17 of the Gospel of John is that we would have unity. And that's something we need to strive for over and over and over, not let little factions in that divide us over meaningless little things. Some life lessons we can learn from today's story. The first lesson, God chooses us for specific responsibilities. Think of what God chose David for. He was anointed king. But he was anointed king at least 12 to 15 years before he ever becomes the king. Probably more like 15. We know he had 10 to 12 years of running from Saul. And then this civil war that's going on, this, didn't, this isn't just a week or two long. It's at least a couple of years of what, of what took place before David ever becomes king. He's still not, we're going to talk next week about when he actually becomes king and what that looks like. Another lesson we learn, a second lesson we learn from this story, we must wait for God's timing to assume the responsibility he has chosen us for. Have you ever known what you were supposed to do for God? Or maybe not even for God, maybe just a re your career, your job. You know what God's created you to do in the workplace. But you've had to earn your time, wait till it's your time to be in a certain place. It's what David had to do. We're talking 15 years after being anointed by Samuel before he's actually king. He's close to 30 years old when he becomes king. He's like 14 or 15 when he hits Goliath with that sling, you know. That's a long time. No, or when, you know, and when Samuel anoints him, that's a long time to wait knowing God's told you you're going to be the king. But a lot of times God uses that time of preparation. He lets us know. You say, well, why would he even let us know if it's going to take that long? Because he wants to get you focused in what he's preparing you for. Right? I would have never in a million years dreamed I'd be working in a library. I mean, really. I've, been, I've always, I've, you know, my dad's a preacher. I was a preacher's kid. I was in ministry. I was a youth director, music minister, pastored for 15 years. You know, would have never guessed God would put me in a library at a major university. And now I'm in, a, in the office of thesis and dissertation. And you would not believe the amount of spiritual conversations that I get to have. This week I had a spiritual conversation with a student from Manchester, England. It's not out of the ordinary, really. And guess what? I never bring it up. I never start the conversation. You know? Questions people give me about things. And I'm, you know... 
just being who God made me to be. And it's really neat to see those kinds of things, you know, and be able to be a part of that. I would have never guessed all those things. But I look back on the things I've done. I've been out of the country over 50 times, mainly on mission trips, right? I'd say out of those 50, probably 48 of them are mission trips. And, you know, to have people come in the office from China and me be able to speak Mandarin with them a little bit or from Latin America and I can speak Spanish fairly fluently because I've been there so many times or, or a German come in and we can talk about soccer together you know or somebody from Nigeria and I can talk about being at the World Cup in South Africa and things like that you know and it's just so much so many things you know I sit back some days and have a, a student come in and I realize hmm there's probably nobody in Mississippi that could have had that conversation <laughs> like we just had with this lady from Nigeria, maybe other than me, and me know things about her country, and she, she knows some of the things that I knew as well. God's timing is perfect. Many years, David was a servant of Saul, but God had perfect timing when he would fully be assumed the position of king. And the last point today... This is the hardest one for us all to swallow. Godliness does not guarantee a comfortable and carefree life. You know, it does not. You'll hear people say, man, they're, they're dealing with all, all kinds of problems. They, they must be living in sin. <laughs> Bad stuff happens to everybody, y'all. Bad stuff can happen to you when you're right in the middle of God's will and, and you're not living in sin. Bad things can happen to you. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean there isn't consequences for sin. That's true. But to assume that somebody or some people are dealing with difficult things just because of the sin in their life, that, that's hogwash. Bad things happen because we live in a sinful, evil world. And God uses us so that when the bad stuff happens to us, we don't act like the world. We point people to him. Through it all, I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on you. No matter the situation, no matter the outcome, I know Jesus is in control. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer before our time of commitment. Father, we're thankful that you have sent us here to proclaim your wonderful works. Even when things aren't going our way, even when we're not comfortable, Lord, that you can use us to proclaim your power and your strength to those that are around us. Help us be a light to you. When difficulties come our way, we pray that we will be lights for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.